1: I'm Mike Brown, author, nerd, and host of the Dark Patine podcast. Join me and Morgan Knudsen, author, paranormal researcher, and host of the TV shows Paranormal 911 and Haunted Hospitals, as we take you on a journey for the curious, about the unseen, the mysterious, and the incredible things happening in the world about us. Welcome to Supernatural Circumstances. Science and the supernatural. Not usually two terms you'll see together. Materialist scientists shout down claims of the supernatural as hogwash. These cries get louder if speaking of the field of medicine. There are definitely some crazy ideas out there, but we shouldn't ignore them all. That's like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. First, in this episode, we'll hear from Morgan as she digs into some of the biases and beliefs of the scientific and medical fields and experiences that may help to change their mind. Later, we'll hear from paranormal researcher Christopher Allen Brewer. Christopher is one of the co-presenters with Morgan on the TV shows Haunted Hospitals and Paranormal 911. Christopher is a longtime writer and researcher. He's made several contributions to books, magazines, and other media, always coming from a place of honesty, vulnerability, and realism. A classic observer, his commentary on the human condition and all of its mysteries had made for some very engaging pieces, attracting thousands of readers worldwide. You can learn more about Christopher Allen Brewer on his website, thespiritchasers.com. Here's Morgan. For the
0: last four seasons... I have been privileged to be a host of the television show Haunted Hospitals. When I was first called on for this show, the deciding factor on whether or not I said yes was the premise. Over decades of teaching every person from every job and every walk of life imaginable, the one thing I noticed was that the medical profession held these stories very close to the vest. Doctors and nurses alike would attend my programs with other colleagues, all dying to tell their stories because they wouldn't dare speak of them at work. Why? Because the stigma in the medical community was similar to that in the military field. You may be seen as mentally unfit and possibly lose your reputation or maybe even your job. So I took the job on the show because I felt that this might be the opportunity to give a voice to many and offer my expertise as perhaps a third-party insight as to what might be happening, paranormal or not. One thing I've always noticed about these incredible experiences, and those who watch the show will notice it as well, the experiences are cross-cultural. This is not simply a Western phenomenon or an Eastern phenomenon. These experiences span the coastlines and mountains and forests of the globe. They don't care about oceans or vast miles of desert or even time. Every culture has a story, and often an explanation about what these occurrences are or were, and the passage of time often becomes indicative of the conclusions and vice versa. Interestingly enough, the older the culture, the more likely these things are dismissed as fairy tales or folklore. But as the fields of both parapsychology and cryptozoology progress, science is beginning to take a harder look at these cultural traditions, beliefs, and folklore, and apply them to both their own studies and to the medical field as well. Listening and understanding the traditions, cultures, beliefs, and experiences of each individual is becoming a lasting and valuable piece in the world of science and medicine, especially when patients are coming forward with stories which don't fit the often rigid worldview of materialism doctors often hold. Their world really gets shaken up when those professionals end up having an experience themselves. One vivid report which stuck with me was from my show Paranormal 911, when two paramedics responded to an elderly man calling 911 for help. His wife, he told the dispatcher, was having a heart attack. When the paramedics arrived, they saw the old man sitting in a chair downstairs, and he essentially ignored them other than pointing up to the second floor. They went up to the bedroom to find the old woman in full cardiac arrest and when they inquired about her husband and why he was not upstairs with her, she managed to tell them her husband had recently died and his pamphlet from the memorial service was indeed on her dresser. The man in the photo was the man they had passed on the main floor and meanwhile a second group of responders also arrived meeting the same old man on the front lawn who told them his wife was inside. Multiple witnesses, multiple age groups, including a call to the dispatcher, which was completely unexplained and an incredible ending for the woman who needed emergency care. These stories span the test of time, cultures, age, and no matter how many of these stories hit my desk, I'm struck with amazement and wonder at each one. The human explanation and interpretation might be different, A Christian may sum this up to the work of angels, while other cultures may see this as the returning spirit of a deceased elder, and others an omen of the woman's eventual death. Some people see anything to do with the paranormal as straight-up evil, a belief I could never understand or relate to, but that is the interpretation of a select few. Either way, it is not necessary to believe in a specific belief system or the strict interpretation of it in order to understand, believe, and absorb these experiences. They are simply not strapped to one culture or belief system. And the interpretations in and of themselves may indeed hold clues to the answers we all ultimately seek, a greater understanding of who we really are. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to say for it? That's where Bank of America can help. supernatural circumstances our anniversary show mike
1: (laughs) is it oh my gosh yes halloween
0: halloween this is so nice we debuted last october on the 25th of october and uh it's been an it's been a whole year so chris you are our anniversary (laughs) guest that is that's an honor thank you so much uh, we're so glad to have you. It's been like a long time coming, too. Like, this is so silly because, I mean, we've been co-stars for four seasons. Of I know. Locked it's up. so true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I you know, I've only met like Richard like one time, too. Same. <laughs> yeah. People think that we all like meet each other. We don't. Like yeah, we like we the Beatles. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> like, they all live
2: in the same house. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like, it's the funniest thing. Everybody thinks, yeah, we're, oh, no, no, we're all, like, you know, filming together and whatever. And it's like, I see no one except for yeah. Tobin. <laughs> Tobin How and How often Kate. Do you see Tobin? <laughs> uh, when we shoot. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Oh, my gosh. So, anyway, that, that being said, we're so... So glad that you're here, and um, I, there's there's so much that I've wanted to ask you over the years, and uh, you know one of the one of the big things is you know when we've talked kind of on the on the side about uh, your upbringing and uh, some of the things that, that you went through when you were younger was the paranormal something that was celebrated in your family?
2: It was, um, I mean, from the very beginning, it's almost like our our bedtime stories were 100 percent real you know, like from spirits to Sasquatch, star people, you know, the cryptozoological, you know, everyone in our tribe knew someone who had shared these experiences. And, and then if not, it was just a matter of time until you experienced that yourself. So that was just really a part of like our, our DNA. You know, my, my uncle was a reservation cop. And, um, you know, he was the first to report to the scene of any accident. So he had a number of different encounters, not just with spirits, but again, like Sasquatch, uh, like what we called star people. Um, so he would tell me these stories, Um, you know, I'd hear stories coming down the pike from, you know, some cousins who had just been to maybe like a Sundance or something and things that have that happened there. So uh, lots of different stories in in that realm. It's just they were 100% real. And we never doubted anybody. You know, we just we knew these were 100% factual. and That was just part of our reality in that tribe.
0: Oh, I'm so excited by this because you just touched on like 10 subjects that I love. (laughs) 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 So I'm like, ah, which way do I go? This is so, this is so cool. Because, you know, the, 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 because you're Sue, right?
2: Yes. you are all of Sue, yes.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you, you bring such a, a a great perspective to everything that that we, we do with, with haunted hospitals. What was the Oh, it's true. Uh, you know, what was the first encounter that, that you had personally? And what do you remember about it?
2: Um, probably my first encounter was um, we we would hear uh, we had our own cryptozoological kind of creatures. So ours was uh, this. I don't know. We don't know what it was, but we had this bad flood once on the reservation. And we had this place called uh, Dinosaur Hill, which is still out there. Uh, but it's like this park and they have these giant dinosaurs like in um, uh what's that uh peewee's peewee's big adventure yeah. like the, the big dinosaurs um whatever it was it came from that area and uh i know there was like a lot of death there was like a massacre around there like at one time so there were sacred grounds um you know some ceremonies had been done in the area so i don't know what this was but we would hear it at night uh, sometimes walking past there were things that made noises like um like metallic noises uh buzzing noises um you know you think, you know, this this call of the Wendigo or, or these other creatures, but sometimes what we heard was almost like electronic, you know, we couldn't really, there were very high pitched sounds. Um, but uh, my first experience wasn't until we actually really moved off of the reservation. I was maybe five, and it was the first house we lived in in the outskirts of downtown uh, Denver. And it was a turn of the century house The previous tenant had hung herself. And for some strange reason, my mother put me in that room. So my father worked a night shift. It was just me and my mom. And a lot of nights you could, it didn't even have the door, this closet where she hung herself. It was like this heavy, almost like a curtain, like a fabric curtain. And I don't remember this. Um, She said sometimes you could see her her feet swinging from underneath the curtain. Uh, But you could hear her crying. And I just remember that hearing that woman cry before I went to bed sometimes. And just that sorrow was just like so heartbreaking because we're raised raised with the beliefs that our ancestors are always around, and you know for the most part it's a very benevolent type of um, interaction you have with these spirits. But you know once we got off the reservation, that's when I was super hypersensitive. To other spirits, which weren't so nice, you know, which maybe remained in states of like sadness or anger. So that's something that really took me a while to to figure out and how some could be harmful. Um, one of the reasons we moved out of that house was because there was this really heavy cellar door in the basement. And I heard that woman down there again. So I went to peek. I thought my mom was down there. And I had my hands hanging over the lip of the door and this cellar door just shut by itself and tore open one of my fingers, Uh, left a huge scar, which kind of symbolically branded me with that interest in how uh, spirits could affect the living in that manner. So,
1: Did your family practice any sort of like cleansing rituals around things like this? Uh, oh, I- yeah.
2: You, you learned that from the start. I mean, one of the first things you learned was you don't go seeking these spirits. You know, there's if they had a message for you, they, they would appear to you most likely in your dream time because, you know, in our tribe, we believe that the, the astral world and the world of uh, spirit lied very close together. So it was really easy for the spirits to impart knowledge to us in a dream time. So when we, to this day, when we have visitations in our dream time, we, if I dream, dream of my mother or my father, it's, you know, I'll call my sister. Did you have this visitation too? Yes, she did. So they kind of make the rounds that way. But um, I'm sorry, what was your question?
1: Oh, it was just about uh, cleansing rituals and at that house yeah. in particular.
2: Uh, yeah. So obviously, uh, sage, um, cedar was more for like the more powerful spirits. That, um, you know, there's different things you could do to, like, invite them, like, unknowingly. But a lot of times it was the sage, the cedar, the sweetgrass to bring, like, positive elements. And that was just pretty much to, like, neutralize, like, any any energy that had built up. And that wasn't just spirits. It was for uh, sickness. Maybe you had, like, an argument with, uh, you know, your lover. Um, anything that puts you in, like, maybe, like, a state of flight, you know, you'd want to smudge after that. Um, and another big thing was kind of like uh, putting a plate of food outside your home to draw the spirit out. Um, I had a an aunt once who was involved in this you know tragic car crash, and uh, we um they had a really hard time getting her to leave because you know she'd wake up like at two in the morning i don't know if that's for her job or what it was, but uh, every night at two after her death, you know um, that radio would come on and her light would come on, and she had the ability to um Confuse people. So if they left the house, when they were trying to find their way back, they'd get lost. Uh, Sometimes they'd come back to the house only her light, you know, and the house would be on, which they knew they turned off all the lights before they uh, left. Um, But she was. um, We finally ended up having to burn her clothes. That was the only way to stop those hauntings. So you know, you think um, of these really friendly, benevolent spirits, but not all. That wasn't always so. Like when my grandmother left, um, she. One of the things she liked to do when she was alive was to go through people's like uh, wedding presents and stuff. So you know, after she passed, you know that was still the thing. Like, someone was getting married, you know, you'd see the doorknobs turning, which uh, everyone's like, "Oh, that's just old grandma." But you know, as children, we were kind of like horrified. It's like, "Well, what are we, we going to see if we open up that door?" Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> but we learned very early how to use uh, sage and you know different elements to smudge different meditations and visual- visualizations.
0: That's so neat because meditation and, you know, all of that, I love how, how so much of, of your culture, my, one of my, my dear friends and colleagues, she is Cree. And Mm -hmm. I love how so many of these traditions are just so uh, applicable to so much, you know, that meditation, that centering of yourself, uh, you know, it's just, I think it's just a really, it's such a beautiful thing, you know, that, that, that the, you know, these different First Nations cultures are so in touch with that. And it's such something that is so special. And I think we're, we're missing that in today's society. I don't know what
2: i do without that. Like, um, you know, the very first meditations I ever had were, you know, maybe if I was having a trouble with like an algebra problem, my grandfather would instruct me to go and talk to this grandfather rock. Sounds ridiculous. Uh, to put your ear to it, to listen to it. What does the rock look like? Does it look like an old man? Can you hear the wind? Just all these things, these different exercises to connect yourself with natural elements. And it wasn't just like, um, you know, for instance, a lot of people think of animal totems coming to impart them with their powers. It was also the elements. I'm really, um, I gravitate more towards like water. So if I'm really having a hard time trying to reset, like a really good Epsom salt bath really helps me out. Uh, But just having that connection to nature, like a lot of people getting their, hands on the earth, like, you know, gardening and things like that. But I don't know if they think so much about what that element is, or even think that element, you know, like afterwards. So we, we are really do have like a deep connection to the natural world.
0: It's so special. And I mean, but Mike and I were, we've, we've been such big proponents of meditation and, and stuff from the beginning. I mean, it's, it's something that's really important to both of us too. And then of course, for me, it's fire performing. You know, I just, yes. I find it's like a Zen you to just yes. be with the fire and it just centers you in such an incredible way. But I know Mike, like you've, I mean, you've been meditating for, for years.
1: Yeah. I, I started uh, practicing meditation when I, I sobered up. It was part of my, Part of getting sober was uh, a spiritual practice for me, and meditation mm-hmm. is part of it. And I have found uh, over the years, I was not open to this stuff at all when I when mm-hmm. I first began meditating. But as I have, over the years, I feel like I've come in touch with, I think, uh, the philosopher, writer, Colin Wilson calls it faculty X, which is this kind of, there's something underneath it all that... Uh, um, only certain practices uh, will help you to connect to, and and that's mm-hmm. kind of the way it works for me is through meditation. Mm-hmm.
0: When you first got the call, Chris, for haunted hospitals, I'm, I'm guessing Tobin probably <laughs> probably phoned you. What were you thinking? I think I was uh,
2: I was just really happy to be able to provide like some like native representation because mm. working where I do, like in a metaphysical shop you know, we get the customers who it's like, you know, I just moved into this old house, I'm having issues. Or maybe they saw something on uh, like one of the paranormal shows, uh, which maybe they were misinformed about something. So they want advice about something. Or maybe their children are seeing things, you know, they don't. So um, again, what was your question? <laughs> Uh, but, I'm going down so many different routes. <laughs> it's,
0: it's totally okay. No, you're on all the right routes. It's all good. Uh, but what when you first got the call, I mean what what were you what went through your head with with haunted hospitals? Like just because just you know that that you were you were gonna be able to offer something?
2: I was I guess my first thought was I just didn't want to bring any shame to my tribe or my yeah. family. First of all, um I wanted to word everything uh correctly, make everything factual because A lot of our culture, you know, for some people is is a novelty. You know, it's you know you have these kind of um, DNA tests, these ancestry tests, and I've known so many people that were so upset that they weren't Native American. It was almost like a Pokemon; they didn't get the Native American egg or something like that. (laughs) But um, it's just, you know, these are all things that we, you know, we all have a connection to the earth, to elements, to like animals things that we don't really think about. Like our dream time is so huge to us. You know, that's where we get all of our visions, you know, all of these things. And, you know, a lot of people just look at it as like a random neural firing or download of the day yeah. without any really pertinent messages. And I remember um, early, 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 like when I got my first A, my report card, my grandfather would share things with me. And one of the first things was how, um, you know, we do believe in these dream spirits that come and to impart knowledge. But they speak a different language, which is like a symbolic language. So we always had them on hand to kind of help us decipher what was going on. But it was more about like how we felt, you know, how did you feel after this yeah. dream? So, again, uh, putting us in touch with our inner feelings, you know, from very, very early and that kind of uh, trust um, and faith in our intuition.
1: So so you say you still you uh, you talk to your grandfather a lot. Do you still utilize elders in your tribe to? sort of check yourself and make sure you're on the right track?
2: Well, it was really strange because uh, about four years, my, my father passed on Day of the Dead. Uh, my grandfather left like a month after him. That's who I got my Indian name for, uh, Sydney Bird. And then like uh, about two years ago, my mom left. So part of my writing my book was to kind of preserve like a lot of this knowledge and a lot of these uh, stories. Um, but, uh, there are still people, you know, that's just harder to find because since COVID, a lot of them are still under like lockdown, mm-hmm. you know, they can't mm. lose their language. You know, they can't lose a lot of this, uh, knowledge. So they're being really, really careful. So ceremonies, uh, like this year, they had the first powwow they've had in uh, Denver since this, you know, pandemic began, wow. which was wonderful. But again, you know, we didn't see like a lot of elders there. So, uh, that's part of this, this book is just writing it all out. But, um, there are still some people I can go to if I need advice, but, you know, I'm like 49 years old, so <laughs> I've I've gleaned a, a, a lot of knowledge since then.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, you're kind of one of the elders now.
0: Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> do you, How do you feel about First Nations being represented within the paranormal? Do you, do you think it's underrepresented? Because I kind of feel like it's underrepresented.
2: You know, I'll like see some groups uh, here and there. I'll see some things on YouTube or TikTok, which is really good as as long as it's not too sensational um i kind of feel like as a native american i'm just kind of given this free pass and you know sometimes like uh you know this is is what we believe this is this is what's real you know different tribes have different beliefs so i don't speak on behalf of like every tribe um but it is it is something i do feel is under underrepresented which is really strange because you know, just, um, for instance, like we didn't really share a lot of this stuff until poltergeist came out like in 1982, mm-hmm. that was when it kind of like opened up this dialogue with other families who are having right. similar experience, you know, you don't want to talk about these things really, because, you know, a lot of people don't have these beliefs. They, I, I, you know, I grew up and it was just strange as a child that topics like, you know, ghosts or Bigfoot or UFOs were just kind of like ridiculed when that was just our realm, you know, it made no sense to us. Um, but yeah, it really, wasn't until that movie till we could really start to talk to other families about what we were experiencing in our own homes. And for us, it wasn't anything like negative. It was just part of coexisting with different life forms. You know, we believe much of what we coexist with was unseen anyway. So,
0: yeah, that makes sense. Uh, you know, as as we go along with 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 these shows, and uh, and I I think people, and what I'm seeing at least with within TV and and film and stuff like that, is that some of these, like some of these. These stories, and especially within the cryptozoological world, is really starting to shed light on a lot of encounters that people are having. Like um, you know, here in in Alberta, and then in the Midwest. You know, we we talk a lot on the show about things like Dogman, and yes. and it's so it's so fascinating because. You know, as, a, as I was saying, my, my, my best friend is is Cree and, you know, it's something that you, she's been able to draw quite a bit on her own understanding and culture and then had to, of course, had a learning curve on top of that. But, you know, yeah. with with things like this and it's, it's – I, I think it's really cool that – I think at least on some level, you know, we're starting to turn back to the Indigenous people to go, okay – we don't have an explanation for this help. Uh, and I think it's a good position to be in. Honestly, it makes us listen.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm just surprised by how many people come into the store and they don't have any background, you know, so they don't know how to deal with these children that are seeing things that aren't there. Or, um, you know, a lot of times it's like the husbands that come in. It's like, my wife is going through this thing. She doesn't know what it is. She's kind of turning to these shows, which, you know, a lot of them are like kind of fear-based programs. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, so I just, I have to be very responsible, obviously, with everything I share. <laughs>
0: That's one of the things I love about what you and myself and Richard do and what, what the producers on Haunted Hospitals accomplish is that, you know, the the audience still gets a thrill factor when they watch the show. But yes. I feel like... I feel like all three of us come from that same perspective where we're trying to keep everybody's feet on the ground, you yes. know, in, in whatever way. And you bring, you know, the first nations ex- experience to it. I try to bring the parapsychological. And then of course, Richard brings the medical and I'm, that makes me really proud that we're able to do that. you know, my, everybody might not agree with us, but you know, I, I feel like we're, we we kind of keep things as grounded as we possibly can.
2: Yeah. And, you know, like on the show, you know, like a lot of people recognize me uh, from the shows in the store and come in for advice. And it's, uh, you know, my first thing is always, you know, you really have to take responsibility for your life experience. Absolutely. Um, that, that's another teaching that started like really early. You're always going to have uh, visitations or sightings of things that you can't explain. That's just part of that unknown world and coexisting with other life forms. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of times there's elements of fear attached to it. And a lot of that's just you know, fear of the, you know, fear of what you don't understand. You know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Have, the, have there been stories on the sh- on the show so far that have stuck with you? Has there been anything that has stood out that you remember? Probably, um,
2: especially like Paranormal 911, um, there was a story where a woman had uh, been driving a motorcycle with her brother and she slid out um, under a truck and was killed. And the first responder saw her. Um, she thought she was still alive. She came to her and she told this first, first responder uh, not to let her brother see her. Um, so she's like, okay. And then, you know, later she saw the dead body and she understood what that was. She covered up her, her body so that their brother wouldn't see her. But again, I think because my uncle, you know, would tell me about a lot of these accidents and different things that he would see, um, you know, like one of them, uh, this family had gone out um, during Christmas to be with other parts of their tribe and they had got um, lost in the snow and they didn't, you know, obviously there wasn't cell phones back then at that time, but they got snowed in and they all froze to death. So it was a mother, father and their baby. Um, so, and it was a while before they could go looking because the snows out there were really, really bad. So uh, my, my uncle was one of the ones that uh, went out there looking for them so uh, he pulled over, and he um, he was hearing a baby crying. So he followed it to the spot, and this whole tree just like lit up, just like all of this light. And uh, that's where they dug, and that's where they found the bodies. Wow. Uh, but you know, we hear about this area in Pine Ridge where you could go. It was this curve where they had slid off. And we do some some nights on the anniversary, it sounds like urban legend, but it was actually tried. so many people that did this that drove past there and that tree like lit up again, you know, it was still lighting up mm. uh, even though they were no longer in any danger. So it's just, you know, these are all things that we took really, really seriously.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, through all the, the the year here that we, that Mike and I have been doing this show, I mean, that's the one thing that I think, I think Mike, you might agree with this is that predominantly and, and with haunted hospitals as well, I know uh, the thing that I've really taken home from it is, you know, no matter what, anybody's take is on the story is that we are not alone we are Mm -hmm. not alone you know there is so much more whether you call it consciousness whether you call it you know angels whether you call it you know whatever it is it's you know your word for it we are not alone Mike what do you think about
1: that oh yeah I mean uh, I've I see here in your notes you're asking about uh, uh, have you ever had a hospital encounter yourself and and one of those that I had, um, was when I was working at Vancouver hospital, I was a security guard at the large Vancouver hospital. And, um, it didn't, this uh, encounter didn't happen to me directly, but we had all known about this guy who's apparently, it, it might've been talked about on the, on your show, but a ghost that would haunt the, uh, tunnels underneath what used to be the burn unit in Vancouver hospital. And um he was apparently a lumberjack, so he was dressed in that kind of clothing when he received his burns and, and those kind of things. And he passed away from those burns in the hospital. Um one night, uh you know, we'd we'd all made jokes about this ghost and that kind of thing. One night, one young guy who had just started there, and I, I'm not sure if he even knew about these stories. Uh, at lunchtime, he was already sitting in the guard shack, and he was shaking. He was he was white as a sheet, and uh, we asked him, you know, what's going on? And he said, well, I was down near Heather Pavilion, where this old burn unit used to be, and walking along and saw this guy dressed like he was a woodcutter, but, you know— It didn't, it looked like his clothing was really old, like an older timey clothing. And he said he started to walk toward this guy and the guy didn't acknowledge him, but walked essentially right through him. And when he turned to look, the guy had disappeared. He wasn't there anymore. So he, he came into the, he came into the guard shack and was sitting there. He wouldn't eat his lunch. And he just said to the, uh, the site supervisor, when he came, he just said, I have to go. And the sight soup was like, well, you know, you've only been here half a shift. And he just said, after what I saw, I'm not going to work here anymore. And he left. We never wow. saw him. We never saw him again. He was just terrified. And from what I learned about the guy, he wasn't the type of guy who would have just made something like that up, you know? And I did have little experiences with lights coming on and all that kind of stuff in the old nurse's residence there, which everybody claimed was haunted. But I yeah. didn't ever see anything like that. Have you ever had any like real visual experiences like that?
2: Um, I, I've seen a lot of different things. Um, we used to do this uh, presentation at uh, Evergreen Cemetery here in Colorado Springs every year in this chapel. And uh, the basement of this chapel was uh, uh, an old mortuary. So um, a lot of times when we'd go down there, we'd be the first to kind of like set up and turn on lights. And you'd see these things that were like, um, they almost look like fireflies. Um and then we had a. I had been uh, interviewed by a guy from Fox 31 uh, News that came down with a professional photographer. And they were taking pictures down there and they were getting these uh, like fluorescent rods, which I had seen earlier, but I didn't say anything to anyone because I don't want to influence any of this. Uh, but he was getting these things on film and they didn't know what they were. Um, but I think the first thing I ever saw was um, this uh, I had just woken up from my dream time. And I saw these uh, blue symbols uh, in, appearing in front of my closet. I, I don't know. I still don't know what those were to this day. Um, and I, I know those weren't like dream residue, but it wasn't a spirit. It was, I don't know what it was, or why it was shown that. Uh, maybe just something that just kind of sits in my subconscious till I'm ready to process it. Have but you, um, that was ever... probably the first thing visually I ever saw.
1: So. Sorry to interrupt, but have you ever tried to recreate the symbols that you saw, like on, like draw them out or anything like that?
2: Oh, yeah. When I got my Indian name, my my grandfather gave me a, a dream journal. So uh, I wrote in it till I filled it up. And then every morning I wake up, I uh, write down my dream and then I on my phone and then I just email it to myself. So that's full of symbols, you know, dream, visions, things I've had uh, over the years, which I don't really share with anyone. But <laughs>
0: sure. <laughs> that's so exciting to me to hear that, actually, because the one of the fellows that I, I work with here in Edmonton, that's how he Receives things as well. It's in every, symbols and images, and sometimes they don't even at the moment make sense, but. Yeah later on we find pieces of the case or the puzzle and, and it's blatant what the symbols are um, yeah. the one uh, that I could I can think of right off the top of my head is uh, when he was he was just a child at the time and he was seeing um, these eggs and these these images of these these eggs almost like um, uh, like a Easter egg almost type thing all in different colors and he couldn't figure out what in the heck They were, and it was during this very strange time in his life where there was an entity that was just bothering him and the family. And lo and behold, the case had ties to a lake not far from here called Egg Lake. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and we didn't, like, no clue. I mean, at the time, it was just like, I'm just seeing these eggs. I don't know what... I don't know what this means. I don't know what this is. And lo and behold, it has to do with egg lake. So he was getting these as well. So that it makes me excited to hear you hear you say that.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of them have been very kind of premonitory, you know, also. Um, so I always kind of go back and, you know, read, the, you know, reread these after a while.
0: Yeah, I know um, for myself. And, and I mean, I'm definitely i I I'm, I wouldn't consider myself a medium by by any stretch, but I, I definitely am learning to hone that intuitiveness. And I always find that when if I am getting any kind of messages or anything like that, I tend to get them in either ciphers or sometimes symbols, but it, it's like the universe will deliver me once the same symbol over and over and over again until I mm-hmm. acknowledge it. I get that quite a bit, which is, which is kind of interesting. And I have fun, like, tracing what it is i'm looking at until yeah. like i figure it out it's, it's so cool and it just provides such a, a a wonderful inner connection to to that consciousness do you find that too
2: it is it's so sad because it is such a frontier and you know a lot of my friends and people that come into the store they don't really remember their dreams uh, but it's something you can train yourself to do you know over time so i'm always talking about this you know and just a lot of um when i got my indian name you know, like the very first dream I had that night was uh, I was being driven down like this uh, desert. And uh, I think the desert kind of symbolized where I felt like in my life. Everything was kind of dried up. I didn't have any prospects. I couldn't see the driver because of this glint of the the rear view mirror. And we were coming up on the sign like the Hollywood sign with these big giant letters. Um, I turned around to see what the sign read and it said God exists. And then um, that's when I caught a a glance of the driver who was I realized it wasn't a reflection of light. It was made of light. That was my creator. So um, ever since then, it's just, and it wasn't just, um, some of them were like really comical dreams. Uh, again, just developing a deeper relationship with, um, a more intimate relationship with, with creator. So a lot of these were designed to kind of produce uh, wonder and and playfulness. It wasn't all about these visions. And, you know, like in my family, there's a lot of runners because, you know, Billy Mills, like the first Native American to win like a, a, a Olympic medal. I knew we, we were all, you know, we had to be these runners and do these big things uh, for representation. Uh, it wasn't always about that. You know, it was just about, you know, we believe that the dream time, this, this place you go to is a very real place. For me, it was this dream lodge. So where other people might think of like maybe like a memory palace uh, somewhere they can like visit. Um, I, we believe like in this dream lodge, which was an actual like astral structure where you could go to to receive instruction
0: that is so is so cool cool and fascinating and you know with uh with with all of this and i mean you and i we, we've done uh, so much paranormal tv it's crazy um it, you know f- considering what we what we've been talking about this idea of of that a connection and i think that's what we all aim to promote is this idea of you know that this is an inner journey and that you know it can the paranormal can teach us so much but what is what is your overall take on the influence of a lot of these paranormal tv shows on the public view of this because it's real i in my experience with this i think it's i think oftentimes these you know especially the ghost hunter type shows have really skewed the the public perception i think on the on the bigger picture of the paranormal
2: yeah um well you know like for instance in the store a lot of people that come in and see these shows you know there's a lot of people that like um past like four or five years have been really uh, really opening up to their like empathic abilities um you know they see they see these shows you know what's it like to be a medium i think i have some of this in my background so they're really opening up to like these these skills and abilities like their intuition you know people that have never really listened to that inner voice. And a lot of times it's just something that scares them, you know, and, but they'll regret it later. It's, you know, if they get an an impulse to turn left and they don't take it, you know, it's just that trust they have to develop over time. But I think, um, uh, these, I mean, you've seen everything there is to see, I think, um, for a a lot of these. So it's really like a lot of the research and information. Um, you know, I tune into a lot of things, but you know, I'm still kind of like stuck in the 80s. So a lot of times I'll be watching like Arthur C. Clarke, um, sightings like in search of was like a big one when I was growing oh, up. Yeah, that was um, great. One of the things I I'll always appreciate about my father watching these shows was, you know, once it ended um, you know, I'd ask him, you know, is, is this real? Do you believe this real? And you know, he never took away my wonder or just said it's like swamp gas or it's a hoax or any of these things. He just kind of granted me that that wonder, the ability to keep that. And I think that's missing with a lot of people that watch these shows. Maybe they're so jaded or desensitized, you know, whatever it is so
0: um oh yeah again you've hit so much so much (laughs) (laughs) i love everything you're saying because i think you're you're so spot on with that and and you're right that's it's that sense of of wonder and that you know recently i was i was talking with terry lynn because we've been doing these these workshops out at her her acreage called the haunted hollow and yeah that was the one thing that You know, we try to impart on people every single time because she's got, um, they have these these incredible, this incredible property that is just a plethora of incredible activity. And every time we take a group out, stuff goes on. And as soon as we get back to the house and we're debriefing everybody, that's the one thing we're always saying is that this is about bringing back a sense of magic that people have lost. They've lost that. Yes,
2: yes, yes. Mm-hmm. It's so true. Like uh, one of the first shows we did way back like in 2012. It wasn't anything Tobin or it, it wasn't one of those shows. It was a different, I'm not going to name it. But um, we went and explored this place. <laughs> and uh, we were just fascinated. We were so fascinated that we were getting audible communication, oh, cool. that we were getting pictures of these things, uh, just really tapping into um, all of these legends and you know, the earth, you know, we were underground. But, um, you know, obviously, when the producers got a hold of it, well, it's, you know, let's say you heard these screams and this happened and that happened. And it was just so sad that it turned into more of like a fear based thing when we couldn't have been happier. And we go back to that site like often. But it's just one of those things, you know, it's just we were in such a state of wonder. And I think that allowed um, because for us, again, one of the early teachings um, we were given was don't you know, you want to tap into your own intuition, your own inner voice. And if you have a fear, you want to make sure that that's your fear. It's not the fear of the world around you, or absolutely. someone trying to make you scared of something they're afraid of. You know, so because that fear was like a, a contaminant, and it would instantly like alter whatever your reality was. Absolutely. So just yeah, uh, that separation of that, and again, allowing wonder and excitement into that experience.
0: <laughs> yeah, the one thing I'm always telling people that that you know, approach me with stuff like this is is to exchange fear with curiosity. And yeah. I think when people are able to do that just in general in their life, then it makes a massive difference. Like if you, you know, even just on a, a cultural example, you know, if you've got a, a new culture, say, for example, that is, you know, a, a family's moving in, new culture, new neighbors, it, if you approach that with curiosity instead of fear, You'd have a yeah. lot better world going on. And, and the paranormal is, is so similar to that. It's like, but we've lost that because there's this, you know, this this sense of, you know, if I don't understand it, then it's out to get me. And yes. it's it's crazy to me, just crazy.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think fear can be a good thing because it can heighten senses Absolutely. and you know, get the energy and a location up. Like the last two investigations we did, it was this uh, former hospital in Florence. And um, we did this thing where, it seems like every investigation or you know, someone pulls out like the spirit box and it's just, that's, that's all they do you know, uh-huh. for the rest of the night. So I designed this game called, uh, I dare you, which wasn't like a cessational game. It was more like, you know, everyone is given, uh, these like random tasks to do alone. So we'd send them down to the basement. Um, they would open up a bag. It would have instructions in there and tools. So there might be like a pod or dowsing rods, maybe like a pendulum, more like old school things. Yeah. Designed to help them like interact with the environment and also explore their own fear, and see how much of that was just what would happen. You know, like your the, these experience with the, like tupas and these uh, these ghosts. You know, kind of people created almost like the what is that the ghosts of Gay Street? Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, the, the gentleman who wrote um, like a lot of the shadow stories yes. who was influenced by Batman. And obviously when he died you know they were seeing a spirit in his old apartment but it wasn't him it was the the shadow you know this being that he created (laughs) so um uh but that was a really interesting thing to do um to be able to tap into an environment and just kind of like explore where you're at with your fear like one of my dares was this old monastery we went to and my dare was to go into the basement alone i had to lay on this uh, gurney uh, where people had died being transported to the ambulance and I had to lay there and, um, you know, I had to use like an EMF detector and like take pictures. And that was probably one of the most scariest things I've ever did, but it really put me in a state where, um, I had to just kind of like siphon out my fear, mm. be present. It really makes you be present. in that present moment really grounds you to that location. Uh, and it also brings like a lot of em- empathy forth too, for the people that had died you know, in that area. So, and a lot of this, what I try to do is really try to, uh, get that empathy out of people a lot of people just you know on these i don't want to say a lot of people but sometimes there's some misinformation with some of these shows when they go on these investigations and you know maybe running screaming or you know they they call out to something and then when they get activity they kind of freak out and and leave or um so you know, we're more tight, we're more tapped into like the history and the, and the people mm-hmm. because there's so many stories, you know, at this hospital we went to, we could tell there was definitely a lot of stories that needed to be communicated.
0: Absolutely. That's you touched on a couple of things there that I, I'm, I'm huge on as well, which is the fact that so much of our focus and our intention creates what we're experiencing. And you know, I think you're you're spot on, especially with you know the idea that you know people's people's focus and their their ideas and their perceptions create their reality. And you especially walking into some of these places, you know, you really do get where you're resonating. And, and Mike, I mean, you and I we've talked about this concept for ages mm-hmm. that, you know, we, we walk into a place and, you know, what you're projecting or your focus, like in the Philip experiment in Toronto, um, you know, can actually create consciousness. And it, it it's, it's incredible, but, it, it, you know, it happens and we've seen it.
1: Yeah. Having worked in the movie business and in security, I always had access to places that not everybody had, like uh, the Riverview uh, Hospital uh, for the mental hospital here. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been okay. all through that. And there are certain places in that hospital where you can feel there is something there. There, like you say, there are stories that need telling. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not quite as adept, I think, at uh, connecting to those, but I, ca- I can feel that they're there. I just wish that uh, we could do some investigations around some of the places that I've been, because I've, like I say, I've had access to really cool things.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah we, I agree. You, Sorry, Chris. go ahead.
2: Oh, you're fine. Just as far as like this communication, you know, it's. Um, I used to live uh, near this park where a seven seven thirty seven went down in like 1991, killed everyone on board. And I just kind of had this curiosity about what happened at night because I knew a woman that used to jog through there, and she used to feel that um, sometimes there were people running past her that she couldn't see. Mm. Um, and obviously, as, as a native, you know, we we cleanse these places. We do what we can to bring you know peace to these spirits. So we would go and, um, you know, a lot of, you know, they turned it into a, we, this is, story has been on like paranormal, um, different paranormal pro- programs. But the deal was, was they thought the plane had gone down due to like a wind shear. Um, and yet um, this happened again to another plane in Virginia where 125 people were killed. Happened a third time. By that time, they decided that um, they, they knew it was like a faulty rudder so i think the spirits in that park there were hauntings occurring because they were trying to let people know i think that it wasn't a wind shear that it was a a faulty rudder that would go on to cause these other accidents Mm -hmm. so when we started getting flashing lights voices you know we weren't running we were staying there because obviously someone was trying to convey something to us and a lot of people it's like picking up that phone it's like once you hear something a lot of people just run off or hang up
0: that phone
2: yeah they're not getting the message
0: yeah. And, and that's, that's a thing, you know, like I remember when I, I investigated a hospital here in Edmonton and it's abandoned now. Um, but back in the day, um, uh, it was being used for a lot of films and, and stuff like that. And, uh, it had, has a very rocky, nasty history behind it. And, um, when we were allowed in, I, like i i remember experiencing stuff in there that i i mean i've i've never experienced before or since and one of those instances we were up on uh the i think it was the fourth floor it was the fourth floor or the sixth floor but uh, it was the the psychiatric ward and there'd been a lot of stuff go on there there'd been a suicide there's been a suicide there'd been a whole bunch of things and just the patients were treated horrifically. and um we Stephanie and i we, we were actually in uh, some of the isolation rooms um, that were just off of the main hall and the, the rest of our team at the time were they were on other floors we had them and we had a uh, security cameras on each floor watching each floor and uh, out of nowhere nobody else on this floor there's no power to the building we hear this scream and it was right right in between the two of us Nobody else there. It was it was unbelievable. And we caught it on our our video camera, we caught it on our audio recorders, everything. And the two of us looked at each other and at first we thought it had come through the walkie-talkie. And so immediately radioed down and we were like, you know, is everybody okay? You know, and they were talking to us like we were nuts. They're like, Yeah, you know, (laughs) the hell's your problem. And Mm -hmm. lo and behold, it but it had happened right in the middle of the space and we caught it all on video, but it was it was absolutely amazing and i just remember the the energy within that within that area as soon as we had walked in it was like we'd hit a wall and it's unmistakable it was and i mean the the scream was was residual energy but it was yeah something i will never forget definitely one of the uh the highlight moments of of the job that's for sure
2: yeah definitely a lot of residual energy here you know i'm really drawn to places which um you know, are near like a lot of parks, like natural structures. We have this place called Garden of the Gods here, where there's a lot of kind of elemental, you mm-hmm. know, even like fairy energy, if you want to call it that. Um, but a lot of uh, gold rush ghosts, you know, a lot of, you know, we live at the base of Pikes Peak, which um, sure. a lot of people came down here to make their riches in gold and silver. And um, a lot of people, you know, Pikes Peak or bust, well, they just want bust. Right. Or a lot of people that came up here with a fresh mountain air to help cure their tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. So a lot of... Um, former places where a lot of people that died from tuberculosis, a lot of echoes, you know, a lot of people assume it's, uh, you know, a lot of times they're intelligent spirits. And obviously, a lot of times, it's just that, that residue, you know.
0: So let's get into your book a bit, because I, I am I mean, I was so happy when you announced that you were writing Selfies of the Underworld because it needed, you needed to write something. It was just, it was so important. What inspired the title? Because Selfies of the Underworld, I've never heard that. That is just cool. Great title. What what inspired that one?
2: I think it's just, you know, selfies is such a big deal. It's like, what can I name in this book that's going to stand out that people are going to be able to relate to uh, modern day people? Because it's a book that takes you back and back and back. So, um, but also I thought of just, you know, all the events we go to every year uh, where we're kind of literally taking selfies, you know, like this, uh, this place we investigated, it was this uh, cave uh, where we we're first getting a lot of these um, uh, forms. It, w- it was a place where the, the U- Indians of the time believed a, a, an entrance to the underworld lied. So, um, and there's a lot of associations with different cultures, with caves and the underworld that always link those two. But this place was, you know, I knew a Dene man that said, no, there really is a, a portal down there that you have to go investigate. So we went down there and sure enough, you know, I don't know if it was youth spirits or what it was we were making contact with, but... Some of them were like selfies from the underworld. So I was like, I've I've got to put that in the title. <laughs>
0: it, it's it's brilliant. Like it's it's, it's really good. <laughs> if, if people are just picking up this book for the first time, why, in in your opinion, is this book different than the other books of your of tales and encounters that that people can pick up?
2: I think because it's um, it's a real person that's lived these experiences. Um, but someone that's also struggling to uh, figure out their path. Um, Why, you know, for instance, I, you know, these things are are drawn to me, you know, um, why some spirits remain, why some spirits are at peace. Um, There's just so many elements that go beyond just paranormal. There's, you know, there's our dream time, there's native wisdom, there's different exercises in there, but it's just a, a story, you know, from, the first memories I can remember to when I got my indie name and then all the experiences are wrapping, wrapping back up again. So, um, yeah.
0: I think that's the one thing, Mike, that you and I have found throughout doing this entire show and having talked to so many guests is that it, and and that's, this is literally why I wrote the gift of instinct was Mm -hmm. that there were so many people that, and everybody had said it, there was, there was a calling, there was a deeper purpose. You know, I dropped what I was doing so I could pursue this because I knew, I knew it with every fiber of my being that this was calling me to something more. And and that, it, it, if I'm, if I'm interpreting you right, Chris, that this is, that that was your story as well.
2: It is. And um, a lot of it just to, I mean, I'm still um, learning, obviously, and still evolving and trying to make sense of a lot of these things i mean we you know as an investigator you know you go through hours and hours of data video audio all of these things um but you know for me these things bleed through on different levels you know yeah. my dream time you know once we had visited this uh old mining town and i was really drawn to this particular room of this abandoned building one night um i woke up and i was back in that room like physically like i was frozen i was stuck in this room wow and uh, where I was trying to make contact with the spirit. And I just remember, I can't wake up. I don't know how to get out of this. And I just heard a voice saying, is this what you want? And immediately I was like, I snapped myself back up to my body and I woke up. But um, just just still trying to figure out how and why things like that happen. And even synchronicity. Synchronicity is like a huge part of my book. Yeah. You know, we're making yeah. more progress with quantum entanglement uh-huh. and these kinds of things. So um, just really paying attention to that, you know. Yeah. I was, things maybe you would normally dismiss.
0: I was so thrilled just recently when the the recent Nobel Prize went to yeah, yeah the 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 fellow of course the the, phys, the the physicist who discovered that the universe is not uh not emergent at all and that I, I thought that was I think that was so important. It's is such an important discovery and um it, it just it really lends to everything that we're talking about here is that you know this is something that we are all trying to understand and creating you know as we go we're creating this and you know we have so much internal power and like I I completely relate to you when you say you know that this is just this ongoing unfolding journey of discovery because that's exactly how I think Mike and I have felt about this Mm -hmm. too.
1: Yeah for sure I mean we're we started this heading in one direction I thought and my mind has been blown interview after interview. Uh, and and I'm finding myself more interested in things and cracking myself open in ways that I I had not been open to at all since uh, starting this show. So it's pretty fantastic.
2: Yeah, just setting your attention, just like you said, Morgan, you know, even, you know, if, I, if I'm needing something, if I'm struggling with something, you know, just setting that intention, whether it's to my creator, my spirit guides, whatever it is, can you show me my dream, you know, something this evening that can help me, you know, mm-hmm. for some reason, it's more like the naps I take that dream time is a totally different place. Yeah, um, but those messages come, you know, you just have to be open to them.
0: Yeah, that yeah. is is such a, a, a key and and we found, you know, within, within parapsychology and, and the, the studies that have been done time after time after time, whether it be through, you know, J.B. Ryan and, and, or the Monroe Institute or you know, places like that, they've connected that over and over again, that this, you know, this this unconscious connection when we're, you know, almost becomes more conscious. Uh, you know, as soon as we're sleeping, there's there's something that that is, is, we just let go of resistance and everything just begins to flow. Yes. It's so amazing. Okay, so I have a, a question before I let you go because I'm going to ask you this and I, I really want your opinion on it. Okay. <laughs> um, so, so this is kind of, of off the wall, but I, I thought about this earlier. So on the property that Terry Lynn has, uh, Terry Lynn and her husband have and where we've been doing the, the Haunted Hollow workshops and stuff like that, We have a dog man, and he's been... such a learning curve for me. I've never encountered anything like this ever. Um, Just phenomenal. And, uh, you know, people are connected with people all over the world that have had, you know, encounters and they say, oh, it's terrifying. And it's all of these things. And uh, Terry Lynn and I took a very, very different approach to him because what we saw in him was, and in his behavior, right from the early encounters that Terry Lynn's husband had an encounter that was, he was literally within patting distance of this this critter was sitting in the back of his truck, and uh, we took we we looked at his behavior and we realized that so much of it was shyness, a little bit of curiosity, but something that was very very cautious. And every time we go do a haunted hollow, we go out to the woods and we shower him with love and abundance. I love that. And ev- well every time that we've done this, and I'm sure this Saturday is going to be the same he and we invite him to attend and he does and we've Mm -hmm. had groups of 20 that have seen him and he he keeps his distance but he's unmistakable and uh you know i was i was just wondering what what's your take on that and if you would have any advice to give us if if any well
2: i think you're doing the right thing definitely this this reminds me of um once during my dream time i uh, and i have etchings of this entity. I don't know what he was. Well, I came to find, I think I know what he was, Um, but I kept seeing this man um, dressed in black, smoking a cigarette, kind of hiding his uh, fire behind the smoke. Mm -hmm. Um, I started seeing him at this Walmart by my house. And I knew like in my waking life, if I ever drove by this man to kind of step on this gas, you know, he was evil, he was devil all of these things. So um, like two days later, um, I'm driving Mm -hmm. past a Walmart at night And he's standing out there smoking on the corner and I just did this double take. And even with all of my history, I'm telling, you know, I'm still questioning myself. Did I just see what I saw? So again, I just kind of like stepped on the gas. I got home. I did this whole smudging. And then that night he came back to me, uh, approached me in my dream time. And the whole thing was about he had uh, a very important piece of advice to give me, but because I let fear kind of contaminate that experience um, I wouldn't receive that message for like another ten or so years. Mm. So again, it's about um, you know that fear factor. yeah, And he wasn't even like the devil. He was just like an archetype. You know these yeah. were he was trying to tell me these were clothes that other people put on him, you know, and I was allowing my perception, you know, uh, I was allowing others to kind of uh, contaminate that perception of what the situation was. Mm. So again, not bringing fear into this as much as you can uh, into this experience.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the things that uh, you know we've been we've been so conscious of because you know we're I think we're at the, the point now, and I mean and Terry Lynn has seen him uh, you know a, a couple of times, uh, quite close, and I saw him quite close on a, a couple of occasions now, and that's the one thing I've been I've been really conscious of is is you know if especially if I'm somewhere on the property by myself, I'm always kind of running through my head. Okay, if he steps out onto this trail, I can't. Freak out! He's you know I've I've invited him here and I've got so now what I do is I I go out to the to the tree line and and whatnot. Even when I'm waiting for people to arrive, I'm usually the one that's sort of helping everybody get organized. And I I go out and I just chat with them. And lo and behold, you know you'll be standing at the tree line and you hear crunch, crunch, crunch. You know, oh oh yeah, within you know three feet, and you look over there and there's no one there. You can't see them, but you. Sure as hell, no one's standing there, you know. And usually, what we see are these two bright, bright, bright eyes, and they're they're like LED light eyes. And uh, mm-hmm. they, it's oh man, he's he's. It's just been a phenomenal, phenomenal experience. But I'm I'm glad to hear you say that. You know, we're we're on the right track, we're doing the right thing. Because,
2: well, the yeah. the first thing that came to me, um, just the way my mind works, it goes all over the place. But my first thing would be to kind of drop to my knees. You know, like with any animal, to show it that you're not a threat, but also mm. as a sign of uh, respect.
0: Ooh, that's really good. So that was the first thing that I thought of. Yeah, that's really interesting. I know we've we've been, uh, we, we always make sure after the, the event, we go out and we thank him. And, uh, you know, thank you for, she always says, you know, thank you for, for protecting the property. He's, he seems to do his rounds on the property. Um, usually you see him in the, roughly the same places at night and she and uh, her husband have felt that yeah they're you know he's he seems to be doing his rounds and he leaves the dogs alone but he's unfortunately uh picked up a habit of of going after neighbor's chickens so wow. we're still- has yeah. anyone
2: ever tried to bring him like uh some food or some kind of offering we did Kf- yeah kfc,
1: KFC yeah. We, we, <laughs> i love it we, we
0: actually we brought him uh the the first night what did we take him the first night we took him something and then the the second event that we did, um, we had a bunch of leftover, uh, really juicy cooked hot dogs, and we mm. took them a plate of those, and there was quite a few, wow. quite a few left. Yeah, and we we said, you know, you know, we're we're here. We just wanted to thank you, you know, hope you know, hope you enjoy them and whatever. And they were long gone afterwards. So.
2: that is amazing that is absolutely amazing (laughs)
0: he's he's phenomenal he's just been such a a gift because i it's it's a learning curve and we've got tracks and i mean it's 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 really been something else so this saturday we're going back out again but but i digress chris this has been wonderful thank you so so much for being here
1: thanks chris Here's Morgan for this episode's segment of Spiritual Health Care.
0: In this episode's edition of Spiritual Healthcare, the segment of the show where you get to be the creator and designer of your paranormal and spiritual experience, we are going to tell you about a process called the home Base process. This process is best used when you have a stressful environment, but can also be used when you're feeling good as well. We all have days where we wish we could just hop on a plane and get out of here, Sometimes it's a city, a place of work, traffic, or sometimes your own home. Remember when you were little and you had those special moments of playtime and imagination? Some kids played house, some would fantasize about going into space, and others had fun imagining themselves in places like Disneyland. Often as adults, we leave these escapes behind and think about them as being silly daydreams. Our parents teach us that they aren't real life, so there's just no point. However, as we grow older, these happy places might look different, but we usually still hold some version of them dear. When our environments are causing strain, find a quiet place and close your eyes. Imagine your perfect space. It can look like anything. It might be a place where you've been on vacation or even a wonderful spot You've created with your own imagination think about the details look around the room in your mind what's there what does it feel like look like smell like how does it feel to be there this is a wonderful place you can return to again and again whenever you need a reprieve from what's going on around you you can also come to this place to set new intentions for your life going forward. You need nothing to be happy, but you need something to be sad. Remember, at the end of seeking, all is consciousness. Stay in peace, everyone.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Supernatural Circumstances, a co-production of Entity Seeker Paranormal Research and Teachings and Good Egg Studios. This podcast is part of the Curious Cast Podcast Network. Theme music by Corey Johnson of Catalyst Records in Edmonton, Alberta. You can find out more about Morgan Knudsen at entityseeker.ca and more about me and listen to my other show at darkpatine.com. Feel free to email the show at supernaturalcircumstances at gmail.com. Good night for now.